<laughs> All right, fine. I wasn't prepared. My glasses are dirty. I can't see very well, and it probably looks like a mess. Hi, I'm Zachary Duncan. Hi, I'm Allison, and this is Rose Tinted Reels. And today, on our third spooky episode... Is this the third? Yeah, because we did Evil Dead, Evil Dead 2. And the, the Craft. I don't know if I mentioned it during that episode, but Evil Dead 2, in a lot of the design aspects of the production design and makeup and stuff, it really gave me vibes of Timothy Burtman. You did mention that. Did I? Mm-hmm, a little bit. And yeah. uh, I definitely could see what you were, were putting down uh, with that comparison, just like the shading and, um, you know, the kind of weird, he likes to border on humor and darkness and levity. And so just, uh, I, I, I picked that up. Mm-hmm. Well, anyway, so today we're going to be doing Prince of Darkness. Yes. And uh, you know that's uh, that's a movie, right? We that, we can all agree, yeah. That that's that's a movie. It, it is with uh, we, the the parameters for selecting this one, just so our dear listeners can dear listeners <laughs> uh, pick up on it. Is um, Zachary really wanted another Donald Pleasance movie? Um, also, more Carpenter. More Carpenter. That was more, the thing. Yeah, it was combination both a desire for carpenter and a desire for pleasance and then it was also voted on by you our fans and so uh, i will say that uh this isn't one that i would have naturally gravitated towards just because it's not one that i have as much experience with compared to other horror movies i i saw it quite a while ago in my late teen years um and so this is my first time kind of coming back to it. And it wasn't so much that I didn't have a fondness for it. I do. I do. I did really like it at the time. It was just, um, it felt more cerebral, I guess, than a classic scary. And in the twilight of your teens, you were not prepared for such a cerebral spooky movie. Exactly. Like it's, uh, I saw Jacob's Ladder around the same time and it, that both of them just kind of weird mental things is jacob's ladder a horror movie i would consider it a horror movie yeah well no i'm not saying that i don't think that it's a horror movie i didn't know that it was a movie all i knew about it was that it was a story from the bible jacob's ladder isn't it uh it's about a guy who is an unreliable narrator basically he comes from back from war has ptsd but he's not sure about what's reality and what is in his head and what are these demonic entities. and So Jacob's Ladder is a ladder leading to heaven that was featured in the dream the biblical patriarch Jacob had during the flight from his brother Esau in the book of Genesis, chapter 28. The significance of the dream has been debated, but the most but most interpretations agree that it identified Jacob with the obligations and inheritance of the people chosen by God as understood in the Abrahamic religions. Interesting. So there you have that. That's all I knew about it. Oh, okay. Yeah, no. uh, Jacob's Ladder, the movie, is very much, it it feels like you're watching a fever dream. Sounds like the Bible. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I guess if someone reenacted the Bible, especially, you know, the older parts where it's mysticism. Didn't Ridley Scott do a movie called The Bible? (laughs) 
Was that Ridley Scott? I thought it was. Maybe oh. I, I might be getting it mixed up with the. There was like another one about Noah. Or, or, or oh, flipping. he he did one about with Noah. Is yeah. that the one? Okay, there was another movie that came out. I think called The Bible, but mm-hmm. I guess that was somebody else. <laughs> God, God, <laughs> I don't do that nearly as well as you do. So I will, I will leave you to the godding. Well, I also can't do it as well as the Southern preachers. So they're the best. <laughs> anyway, so. all right. So this is Rose Garden Address. This is Act One. Uh, do you have any news about your life that you want to share with the fine dear listeners? <laughs> So not a whole lot too too new or exciting to share. I will say that it is finally getting to beautiful fall temperatures outside, so I'm very happy about that. Yeah, we say that, and then sometimes it snaps back up to 75, 80, a billion and a half degrees outside. Oh, what do we call it? Fool's fall? Fool's fall. Fool's autumn. Fool's autumn, yeah. Dummy's autumn. Um, and the other thing is uh, I did get to go see Halloween Kills um, the, other, the other day. Something interesting that I was not anticipating, and this is spoiler free, an unexpected reaction occurred where I was actually- Laughing. No, I think people expect to laugh at a couple points during a horror movie. Mm-hmm. It's just the nature of horror. Okay, so uh, social anxiety. Social anxiety. Yeah, uh, I I'm a person who has a little bit of anxiousness. I think you, dear listeners, and you, Zachary, know that. I don't know how much the listeners know it, but I certainly do. Yes, you you have experienced it. <laughs> yes, you also um, don't like chainsaws. Yeah, I do not care for chainsaws. When we are at haunted houses, I have to have a phalanx of people protecting me from the chainsaws. I'm good with everything else. Yeah, it's very curious. And it's the noise, It's the noise. Yeah, Yeah, it's, uh, I don't, I think, so anxiety affects different people different ways. And one of those is a stimulation to sounds, touches, sights, lights, whatever the taste. Egg textures. Textures, yeah. Uh, So... Um, one of my triggers is loud noises and you'll notice it in weird ways. So, um, the, oh gosh, now I'm going to forget the name. Every time I go to say the name of the song, (laughs) it pops out of my head. Can you sing a lick? No, it's, uh, it's the, I come from the land of the ice and snow song. (laughs) That noise that you just made. Sorry. The one that I was about to say gives me anxiety. <laughs> I didn't think about it until I was midway into it. <laughs> but then you had committed. So. Yeah, I can't just go, ha! <clears throat> <laughs> you can't, you just did. Um, it causes my eyes to, to water. Like it, like I, I cry during that song and it's not because anything's going on. It's, it's true, just, she's weeping at this moment. Yeah, they're, they're a little watery. Um, the eyes. And so not the nose, not the nose. I don't want to give you that impression. Do you listen to her <laughs> nose is not running right now. And I'm also not drooling. So. Well, you're, you're holding it back. Like I can see it trying to come out on the, on the corners there, but you're kind of slurping yeah. off mic. Well, don't no. do it on mic. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Mikey, the don't be, gonna come don't be a damn savage. <laughs> Slurp on mic. <laughs> so, um, what was I going to oh, say? I don't so, know. No. <laughs> So uh, chainsaws yeah. very much like that song in the sense that it um, the 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 pitch that it hits is or it the grating. Noise. Yeah, like it just it hits me a certain way and it just really triggers my anxiety reaction. And what's sad is that I love horror so much and I love haunted houses and I love all those haunted attractions, but it just hits me in that terrible note and it just sets me off. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you, dog. Um, word so 
That's that's how life's been for you. Cha- just cha- chainsaws and. Just, oh, so Halloween Kills, which was the tie-in to ah, that. Yes. Yes. Uh, so there is uh, a specific scene in a hospital, and it just kind of has a crowd mentality situation, and unlike any other movie like there's other movies where mobs or crowds kind of lose control because they're they're part of that herd did you ever see the uh the i want to say plague what's the one with the people with masks on and everyone kills everyone for a day purge there you go Mm -hmm. you ever see those don't those have lots of crowds of people and such no uh, i think you'll find that the point of the purge is that it's a couple of people attacking um like singular groups so it's less crowd mentality gotcha i only saw the first one Mm. and i honestly can't remember much from it i just assumed it was large bands of uh youths uh sweeping across our great nation on one day bothering farmers upsetting animals and uh, uh uh toppling governments you you would think so, yeah. But no, it basically the premise of the purge is uh, once a year you can. Uh, there's a certain stretch of time that is allotted uh, for you to commit crimes, yeah. and the theory is is that if you do it when it's legalized violence or chaos, that you are less likely to perform illegal acts during regular time. Uh, I thought that that had been disproven because violent video games make people violent. So allowing people to be more violent on one day surely just gives them a taste for it. And they become more violent the rest of the time. Right? Right? And rap. Rap music makes everybody violent. So that theory is disproven. Next. I, I'm not a proponent of the purge. <laughs> you don't oh, have, okay. You don't have to convince me. <laughs> oh, so you agree that rap music and video games make people violent? That's no, interesting. That's I very curious. I, d- I didn't I know this agree. about Allison. I do not agree. With no. That. No. Oh, so you're flip flopping now. You'll never make it as a politician, I or maybe you wanna, will. I don't want to be a politician. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my news. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I. I don't. Nothing. You saw Trevor Noah recently. That's right. I always forget about my life, especially when I start talking on a microphone. I just don't, I forget it. my life even happened. But and I did. I saw Trevor Noah. your little brother had some stand-up he did himself. He's not so little anymore. He's a baby. In fact, he's taller than me. Well, last time I saw him, he was eight years old and I made him a meat pie. It <laughs> <laughs> sounds like a fairy tale. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I used to make these like... Um, crescent like popover rolls and i would put um sloppy joe filling or taco meat in them and i made yeah. them when they used to come to our condo a million years ago yes yeah, as well so now he's 20 that's, and that's illegal uh so yeah robbie's 20 michael's 21 and uh yeah robbie is doing stand-up so i saw him perform in dc recently uh among a host of bad comics some good comics. There were maybe two that I saw that were good. You saw potential there? Yeah, there was good potential there. So none of them were names, like n- nobody you would have heard of, but the rest of them were uh, fairly poo-poo stinky, and th- a couple of them were downright terrible. Oh, no. Like, there was, it was awful. Like, people were just begging him to get off stage, <laughs> that sort of thing. <laughs> Please reconsider. <laughs> um, were, yeah. Did it remind you of the Joker at all? Just, like, that kind of? Oh, yeah. That yeah, no, that's not an exaggeration. Oh, gosh, that would have made me so uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, it's all Glad it wasn't me. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so, yeah, saw him do this. It was good stuff. And, uh, yeah, we saw Trevor Noah, uh, Michael, Robbie, and I, on Friday. 
and he had a couple opening acts that were good, but he himself excellent. He's a good he's a good stand up. Okay, yeah, I I think you've shown me some of his stuff before, like right before he started doing um, Daily Show. The, yeah, um, so I was interested and uh, seemed to do a good job. I I have not been a big of watcher of the Daily Show. I don't like his Daily Show. It's I I do find myself missing John Stewart. Yeah, uh, have you seen John Stewart's new show? No, it's on Apple TV Plus. That's probably why I haven't seen it. Although I do have your Apple Access, so maybe yeah, I'll see do it. it. And also watch Ted Lasso. And also watch Mythic Quest. What's the matter with you? And if you've got time, watch The Morning Show. But that's a lesser priority. All right, Act 2, Inside the Real. So this movie is called Prince of Darkness. And by God, it came out in what? 1987? It did. Did that year even exist? It did. It was two years after my birth. Oh, so you were even alive at this time. I was. In, in, this, in this realm of, of uh, existence where they didn't have cellular telephones? Yep. Uh, when did the Zach Morris film come out? Now that I'm thinking about it, but oh, I don't yeah, know. I would assume it's the '90s. Yeah, early '90s. Yeah. So uh, basically, um, in 1985, I was born. That's the end. Of that the was day. that was the major uh, plot plot mark of that of the decade. 80s, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And the world has never been the same since. What do you remember from the '80s? Living in it, not from what you've seen in movies. So um, when I was alive in the 80s, most of it was in Germany. So I, I have very small memories because obviously, you know, not really around for much of it. But um, like I remember there was a landlady in our apartment complex when we were stationed in Germany that uh, would give my sister and I marzipan ducks. Ew. I know. It was almost a punishment. <laughs> no, was- What's a marzipan duck? Marzipan is a almond paste candy that was made to look like a duck. Oh, it's just in the shape of a duck? Yeah. Basically, it's an almond candy. Well, I've never had marzipan. Is it tasty? Uh, and was it made tastier by being in the shape of a duck? You, you definitely get an enjoyment out of it because it's kind of, you know, ooh, fun shapes. Ba- basically, the fun part about marzipan is it's kind of like fondant where you can really, or clay, where you can really make it look like anything. So they can really make cool shapes and whatnot out of it. Um, so they could have done anything, but they chose duck. They chose duck. I don't know why the duck. Hmm. But um, well, I don't mean to criticize things so far into the future. Like it's it's mean almost looking back in the 80s. Be like, wow, you guys were stupid. You guys should have thought of a better shape. But, you know, if I were making a new candy, what would I do? Well, marzipan is an ancient candy. Well, fair enough. But if I were making a candy right now, you know, would I, I be so shaped. creative? Would yeah. I be maybe a bat? A bat. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that would be on trend. Yes, it would. Well, for this month anyway. Mm-hmm. But something that would stand the test of time so people wouldn't laugh at me a few decades in the future, I don't know what I'd do. Anyway, what what I'm saying is I apologize to the marzipan people. <laughs> the fine people at marzipan, <laughs> which isn't just a singular person. It's not a brand. <laughs> no. <laughs> so basically, it's almond paste candy. Sure. Well, uh, what are we doing? I, you were asking me about what I remember from living in the 80s. And marzipan is what you came up with. Well, the- <laughs> the the landlady who gave us the marzipan, and that's as far as I got because it turned into what's marzipan. Gotcha. All right. So this lady. What One you, of what us it, has to be lucid, and it's not me today. <laughs> Look, neither of us are going to be lucid. It's fine. We're going to be watching Prince of Darkness. We don't have to be lucid. It's true. It might improve it. Right. So uh, uh, inside the real. What's the synopsis of this stupid movie? 
<laughs> Is that a little preview of how you feel about it? Honestly, it was no. <laughs> it was uh, just uh, no. Just nope. <laughs> what? Uh, synopsis: Real. Yep. <clears throat> <clears throat> A group of graduate students and scientists uncover an ancient canister in an abandoned church. But when they open the container, they inadvertently unleash a strange liquid and an evil force on Ooh. all humanity. I was just making sound effects. No, no, it's good. It was good? It was good. Thank it was you. It's a good spooky. Hey, I finally did something right today. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> all right. So my hilarious <laughs> synopsis is maybe... <laughs> is Schrodinger's Quantum Entangled Superposition of Jesus Devil Evil. One more time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not trying to trip you up. It was just there's a lot of a lot going on. Schrodinger's Quantum Entangled Superposition of Jesus Devil Evil. Please put that on a shirt. <laughs> you like that? Yeah, I do. Very much. All right, second good thing today. Um, What's yours? You remember Susan the radiologist, don't you? Who? Glasses. Oh, yeah. <laughs> best line. That, that was the best exchange in the movie. I because did love that. Because it happened like six times. I know. It was such a weird thing. I've got a timestamp and stuff about this, but it was so weird. This movie was not about quips and funny jokes and stuff like that, but randomly they threw that in. It was like a sitcom, like a running joke. She reminded me of Egg from uh, Arrested Development. Her? <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Who? <laughs> Who? It's like something I would do. In fact, it is a thing that I do do. <laughs> Who? <laughs> Poor Susan the radiologist. Poor Susan. With the glasses. Oh, yes. Anyway, all right, so trivia time. All right, what kind of interesting trivia do we have about Prince of Darkness, 1987? Oh, geez. Well, I've got that the recurring dream was shot on video and filmed again off of a television screen. Yep. Uh, how do you like that? Interesting. I thought so. Eh, it's, it's, it's okay. It's not the most interesting thing. It's quite interesting. Uh, the film was budgeted for about $3 million oh. and shot in 30 days. 30 um, days. This was Carpenter's return to horror um, oh. after filming Starman and Big Trouble in Little China. Little China. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I was just being your hype man. Okay. <laughs> I was just doing, you know, reinforcing. Without a big clock around your neck, I don't recognize you as my hype man. Oh, you want me to look like Flavor Flav if I'm going to hype for you? <laughs> yeah. Well, you've got lots of demands. I know. I'm All so right. demanding. John Carpenter states that he set out to make a film with, that was atmospheric and dreadful. Dreadful. I don't think he meant that in terms of the movie being bad. I think he wanted to fill the viewers with dread, right? Yes. Well, uh, at the time, he was noticing a lot of derivative horror films and wanted to try something new involving quantum mechanics and religion. Now, it's up to the viewers to decide if that was a good idea or not, but that's what he did. Mm-hmm. Well, Right, wrong, or otherwise. Hey, there it's you go. It's what happened in 1987. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell if you're being like smug with me or what. What is this? <laughs> and you don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, actor Peter Jason um, appeared in seven of Carpenter's films. Um, and during the filming, he suggested to Carpenter that the seven victims of um, this film should represent the seven deadly sins. While Carpenter really liked the idea, 
he thought it would extend shooting too long and the rewrite would be too complicated to re-finesse into there to kind of put that narrative within it. Yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, that would be, uh, the symbolism would be juicy. But uh, it would require too much work and I'm sorry I'm not going to do it. So get back to work. So fuck you, Peter Chasen. Yeah, you dumb idiot. Mercury was used <laughs> for the reaching through the mirror shots. Mm. Oh, that is quite interesting. Poisonous. Yeah, poisonous. Mercury glass. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's poisonous. Yeah. Real poisonous. Mm-hmm. Real poison. Yeah, yeah, it is. Uh, but uh, it's not just the glass. It was the liquid as well, you know. Oh. So they would reach a the, prosthetic the hand. Uh, yeah, the stuff that oh, you get from she thermometers. Was like through the uh, yes. Yeah, so the side on our side of the universe was she, uh, a pr- prosthetic arm reaching through mercury liquid. And on the other side, it was a darkened pool. That's really cool. Yes. Did, uh, watching it, did you have a very uh, IT crowd like, Father? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't make that connection, but that's a good connection to make. Yeah. I think it's always worthwhile to make an IT crowd connection. Yes, very good. Uh, your turn. The university scenes were all shot at South Carolina University, where Carpenter himself attended his university. He went to school. Yeah, he uh, did. When Brian and Katherine are in bed in the morning, are, is that their names? Are those their names? <laughs> I didn't I mean, know people in this movie had names. I'm going to be real honest with you. Most of them actually didn't. Like, um, Donald Pleasant's character was just priest. But yeah, uh, Catherine... Speak, priest! <laughs> Some of them did have names. Well, interesting. So anyway, when Brian and Katherine are in bed in the morning, Brian says to her, Who was he, the one that gave you such a high opinion of men? This is a fairly well-known quote. I would dispute that, among others. From To Have and Have Not, from 1944. I don't think that there are many lines that have survived the 40s that people would say are still well-known. Casablanca. Uh, That's constantly misquoted. Well, I Play mean, it again, Sam. Isn't said in the movie. Uh, or this is the start of a beautiful friendship. Or uh, 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 we'll always have Paris. There are a couple, but very few and far between and often misquoted. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so only sec- the sexes are reversed in this movie. So in the original, Lauren Bacall is saying, who was the girl, Steve? To which uh, Humphrey Bogart replies, who was what girl? And she responds, the one who gave you such a high opinion of women. So this is just a reversal. So John Carpenter is obviously a student of cinema. Yes. Uh, I will say if you are not familiar with Lauren Bacall, I will have to find a film to introduce you to her because she's a phenomenal actor. Well, I'm going to ask you a question now and it may come off as offensive. So I don't mean it to be so. Mm -hmm. Is she a bird? No. Okay. Bacall, honestly... Sounds like a bird. <laughs> Did it help that I... <laughs> yes. <laughs> Bacall. <laughs> sounds like a bird. I'm sorry. I expected her to be a bird. Um, but she's not. And that's good. So I assume she's a human woman. But you're not a bird. You're a person. <laughs> she's a person. Yeah. Good. Okay. Well done. Uh, Victor Wong had a tough childhood. Man, that's a hard thing to... <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Um, the left side of his face was actually paralyzed from tuberculosis that he contracted when he was a child. Yeah, we're um, serious now. Uh, he actually also spent time in a sanitarium um, at part of his life. Uh, he was very dirty before. Dirty? He had to go sanitize himself. Doesn't matter. Go ahead. <laughs> Are you just trying to put levity in this really yes. sad... <laughs> yes! Yes! <laughs> Excuse me. Life trying to put a, a smile t- on people's faces. <laughs> <laughs> he can't. 
can't put a smile on tuberculosis. <laughs> you can try. <laughs> you can sure try. Um, but everyone really enjoyed, you know, working with him. Apparently, he brought a joy and energy to each of the films, and that's why um, Carpenter just kept tapping him back for different films. The actor that I mentioned before, Jason, um, he mentioned that uh, Victor Wong just always had a really great story, and uh, he went on these tangents that you never really knew what they were about or where they were going, but he was just so engaging and kind that you wanted to listen. Ah. Peter Jason. Uh, um, on the audio commentary of the DVD, John Carpenter and Peter Jason <laughs> talk about the scary masks that were already prepared for the movie and were unfortunately destroyed in a fire while filming. Oh, that's unfortunate. Oh. Can you... Oh, gee. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh, boy, oh, boy. So that, that's unfortunate. I, I wonder what the masks would have looked like. I am very curious myself. Uh, the rental that I got through iTunes didn't have extras on it. So I couldn't, you know, go into the behind-the-scenes stuff to see if maybe that had an explanation. Or maybe some concept art. Well, dear listeners, when I get home and I get to my Blu-ray copy, which does have extras, I'll see if I can find them. Uh, I didn't see anything before, but I will take more of a closer look to see. I think I speak for all of our listeners when I say we look forward to what you have to reply on this. If if there is anything. (laughs) But we expect uh, a go or no go. We expect you to say, I looked, I scavenged the whole earth for it and there was nothing. I looked into the void and I saw nothing. And I saw myself. <laughs> All right. Um, the church basement is actually a big rundown building uh, in Long Beach. Mm. It used to be a very popular ballroom. Um, unfortunately, due to disrepair, it was falling apart during production. Um, the cast and crew had to sign waivers stating that they would not sue if anyone was injured um, with the, the disrepair of the building. Huh, very interesting. Now, I am curious what the uh, origin of the uh, ballroom is because n- people don't play ball games in there. It's not a showroom for ballers to go and, you know, uh, uh, with their hose and their... Uh, different area codes. And their different <laughs> area codes. Uh, what, what did one originally do in a ballroom such that it would earn that name? You would hold a ball, presumably, right? Right? Yeah. But why is a ball called that? Because you're having a good time. Because of the ball gown? I'm, oh, man. Now I have to look up the history of the word ballroom. <laughs> All right. While you do that, I'm going to say words. John Carpenter is credited as Martin Quartermast. The pseudonym, uh, as the writer, I should say, of this film. Um, and that's a homage to Professor Bernard Quartermass, the lead character of Quartermass Experiment in 1953. Again, he seems to be quite the student of film. And also, there was a similar thing in They Live. He wrote for that under the pseudonym of Frank Armitage. Hmm. Frank Armitage. It's an interesting name. I don't know what that was a reference to, if anything. But it I wonder. Sounds familiar. Like it's resonating. Something I didn't find in the trivia that I was reading is why he goes under pseudonyms for the writer of the film. Oh, you know what? I think Armitage reminded me of Arbogast, which is from Psycho. Was that Mr. Psycho's last name? No. Okay. Uh, Arbogast was a uh, PI that was looking for the lady that was killed by Psycho. He is the cop who says, pee. <laughs> yes. 
That is what he's known for. That was I, I got a laugh out of that, <laughs> but you also looked away and scoffed a little bit, so I'm guessing that was not a great joke. I mean, I just expected more from you. I'm not I mad. I expected more from me too, but... I'm disappointed. Look, this is what we've got today, so <laughs> let's run with it. Uh, Carpenter's love of science led to um, the story idea involving quantum mechanics and the crossroads of science and religion. He had become fascinated with quantum uncertainty after reading several books on the subject, and he ultimately felt it was impossible to explain. So he created something that he defined as all mumbo-jumbo and great idea for a horror movie. Mumbo, perhaps. Jumbo, perhaps not. It's a Futurama quote. Gotcha. Uh, I am run out of trivia, so if you've got more, please continue. Oh, Okay. Um, Carpenter and Alan Howarth completed the score in four to five weeks. Um, oh, I do know this one. He said it was Mickey Mousing the other way. He doesn't do it Mickey Mouse style. That was an Agatha. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> what's our, what do we do? Oh, but you didn't get it. Hang on, what's the thing? You have aggied me for the last time. I'm so sorry. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so uh, I actually have more to expound upon what you aggied. Sorry. You did I am something. so sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> Basically, they said that there's two kinds of scoring in movies. One is an underscore with a minimalist idea, and one is Mickey Mousing. Uh, the latter was made famous by Max Steiner in Casablanca and Gone with the Wind. Um, uh, for instance, in King Kong, every step that uh, King Kong made, it scored. Every emotion is scored. That is Mickey Mousing. Carpenter's opinion of the style in general is that everything is scored so heavily that you haven't got a chance to miss anything. He also adds that John Williams is the biggest and most famous Mickey Mouser of all. It sounds like he's insulting him, but, you know, John Williams is... Really good. (laughs) The best. (laughs) (laughs) Or one of the best, anyway. Carpenter met Alice Cooper during a bit he had at WrestleMania. Um, and the performer actually really wanted to be in one of Carpenter's horror movies in Proposition Carpenter. Um, Ooh, that sounds scandalous. Yeah. Carpenter said that he would be, um, he would be perfect for Prince of Darkness, but the only way he would use him is if he used the impaling gag that he used from his WrestleMania onstage show. So I'm going to blow everybody's minds, especially for longtime listeners who know about how much I love classic rock and respect it. Um, but I didn't know that that was Alice Cooper. Well, I, in my notes, I was calling it drugged out Michael Scott. Well, what's funny is that Alice Cooper basically looked like himself. Like they didn't make him look any different than his stage person. Doesn't he, or is he the one that has like the long teardrops of mascara? Yeah. Yeah. So he didn't have that. No, but he had the the overly pale face and the. Uh, I think that's just how he is. Just pale. He's just he's anemic. He's a whitey. Yeah, and um, basically, I feel like he was just himself, and this is before he uh, found Christianity. Ah, before he was uh, contacted by Jesus. Exactly. All right. Well, do you um, have more triv? I just have one more, okay. uh, which is another fun musically related one which is the bruise symbol that appears on kelly's arm was actually a symbol that um they swiped from a blue oyster called album cover uh i always get that confused with the passes that you need to take public transport in london which is of course your oyster card oh 
I did not know that that's what that was called. I know. Very weird. It's a weird name for it. Oysters. Yes, but apparently that was a, a cult in the 80s, was it? Of the blue. Of the blue variety? Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, all right. So that is that. So we are now going to ascend to Act 3 and start some movie analysis. Is that okay with you, Allison? Is that all right with you? Is there no quiz? There is no quiz. There was nothing very quizzical about this movie. <laughs> I think there was a lot that was quizzical. <laughs> well, figure, but there's no answers. <laughs> um, so the pre-movie ratings that I gave uh, at the end of Evil Dead 2, mm-hmm. um, where uh, I gave it a reel of 4 out of 10 with a heart of 6 out of 10. And my predicted ratings for Zach were also 4 and 6. Ah, okay. So you think I'm going to reel it a 4 and heart it a 6. Mm-hmm. Let me see if you're right. All right. So now we're going to go into timestamps. Let's get into this gosh blasted movie. And see if we can figure some stuff out. Ooh, what happened? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? I don't know. I'm not really sure. So, before we get started, I just want to say I had a really hard time separating my uh, connection to Donald Pleasance from Halloween. I he, see him, and he's just Dr. Luminosity. Dr. Luminosity. Yeah, he, he is very much Loomis. Yes. So, my first timestamp is 420. Hi. Hey. Uh, mine was actually the same time, so that works. Wow. All right. So we're uh, doubling up on 420. Yeah. I just. Uh, in this day and age. I'm going to say that, How you brave. know, the scene that you're highlighting, um, hopefully it aligns with mine, is basically the Wong character. To me, it feels very much like a lecture that we would have heard from Egg Shen and Big Trouble in Little China. Literally, my, my timestamp <laughs> was the, it was a hippie Egg Shen uh, from Big China. Teaching Wang Chi and Ted Lasso about flesh. <laughs> Talk about our beliefs and what we can learn about them. We believe nature is solid and time a constant. Matter has substance and time a direction. There is truth in flesh huh? and the solid Wobbling ground. parts of his face. The wind may be invisible, but it's real. So... I can't tell. It's, uh, this is like a night class. These are supposed to be like graduate students or something like that, or pre-grad. I don't even know. I, I think, yeah, they're masters or doctor, pre-doctorate. Why did they hire everybody who looks like they're 70 years old? She doesn't look 70. I think she does. Look at her hands. No, I would say. She's she got does. liver spots on them, for God's sake. Look at her. She, I don't know. Her face to me. No, I would say she looks like she's in her uh, early 30s. He's the only one that looks like uh, he could be in his 20s or 30s. He just looks like Water, a baby. Yeah, he does. He's got a little baby. They're different. Not as t- he looks, I mean, he could be in his 30s, I guess, but the mustache, that ages him at least a decade. Oh, okay. well, that mustache, you know, was on trend for the time. I hate that mustache, so I'm glad that that became unfashionable. You know, I feel like it would be nice if mustaches came back into fashion. I wouldn't mind rocking a mustache if they if people wouldn't laugh me out of town. But also, I feel like if I were to convince a lady to date me. Uh, <laughs> if I was convinced. <laughs> Uh, then I feel like it's annoying to kiss. Who wants to kiss a mustache? It's true. Uh, I will say that, you know, um, my husband, Mark, there are certain times where he starts to get more unkempt, like he's letting things grow out a little bit more. I mean, he always has facial hair, um, you know, a little bit of a chin um, beard situation. He likes to warm his chin. um, There are the times that are kind of between grooming sessions. It, It is not fun to kiss. How long is the interval between cleaning sessions? They're not cleaning sessions, but shaving, I presumably. Like, I hope he, probably, he cleans he, it every day. <laughs> he probably, no, he's not going to. Who cleans their beard every day? Nobody does that. You don't wash your face every day? 
I wash my forehead and my cheeks and stuff like that, but I don't really wash I my beard. I stop at the nose. <laughs> okay, well, yeah. I don't wash. You know what, wash your beard. You don't want to dry this out anyway. It suffers from uh, beards, especially suffer from dandruff and oh, dry skin. I did not know that. You should. Yeah, you shouldn't. Ugh. You shouldn't really wash it all the now time. Now I'm going to be looking for people's beard dander. Well, you the only way. To, see, this is nobody has a PS. Nobody teaches men how to take care of a beard. You have to look up YouTube stuff on it for other people who have figured it out. Huh. Uh, it's very odd. But anyway, yeah, you should put oils in your beard. Because that's genuinely what combats uh, getting dandruff in your beard and mustache. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. There you go. So for all the men out there, you're welcome. <laughs> so in, in this case, though, his mustache, uh, I just don't love. Uh, Jace, um, Jameson Parker's mustache. Um, you can't deny that it's a, it's a pleasantly full mustache, however unattractive it may be. Yeah, it, it basically looks like a really fat caterpillar decided to take a nap on his nose or yeah, under his nose. What a satisfyingly fat caterpillar, though, <laughs> wouldn't you say? I also wonder, like, does he have an upper lip? Uh, maybe he might have a very weak kind of looking lip, and he's hiding it with his rather luscious uh, mustache of his. Mm-hmm. Little bird lips hidden by the mustache. There you go. He looks like he's a cop that would walk condescendingly to your car. <laughs> I know I kind of started this roast, but we're really laying in on him. <laughs> he looks like, you think he looks like a cop? Yeah, he looks like a cop that would the walk does. really condescendingly to your car. Like If uh, he had aviators on. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I Yes, 100%. Yeah. yeah. He, he looks like a bike cop specifically. He would look up, he would walk up to your door with his crotch in your window, look up and away from you and say, do you know how qu- fast you were going, Sonny? Yeah, what is so funny? Exactly. That sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> Meow, listen here. <laughs> so um, back to Aang Shen. Um, uh-huh. the, the speech that he was giving, you know, he's like, air, fire, water. Wind, and that just, love. And that just reminded me of Big Trouble in Little China when he was like, you know, all those good things. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> well, uh, and at some point in this movie, he experiences some pretty unreasonable things as well. He does. I don't think anybody so. explains it to him, though. No. He has to do the explaining. But he's a doctor of something. He's a doctor, honey. Of something. Of something. I, I never really got what he was a doctor of, except for maybe philosophy. I yeah, I think he's a doctor of bullshit. <laughs> you, sir, you are a doctor of malarkey. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know shit. I, in fact, I do. I know quite a lot about it. <laughs> I know a lot of crap. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. So that's all that needs to be said about this scene, probably, right? 1149 um, where we talk a little bit about uh, a secret brotherhood Egg Shen's walking in with Dr. Luminosity Mm -hmm. pats him on the shoulder he's called him for help Mm, I'd say assistance he was a guardian priest apparently he lived here for over 30 years once a week he would venture out for food and every day he opened this door. That is a nice door. But no creak, I'll notice. Mm-hmm. There was not much of a creak on it. Yeah, we can't do our traditional creaking to our analysis. It had a satisfying heavy jostle sound mm-hmm. on opening and uh, you know coming to rest, but no creak. in the 1500s. Ah, thank you. By arrangement with the Spanish government. Sure. Who knew about this? Only the members of this forgotten sect. The Brotherhood of Sleep. There was a vow of silence. Even their very existence 
By the way, for the listeners, they're walking through a darkened uh, passageway underground. Candles. And before he died, we'd pass it on to another. The sect had enormous power and authority. Their actions were never questioned. It's dingy. It's dank. And there's crosses absolutely everywhere. And some crucifixes. Quite a few crucifixes as well. Who took the time to light all the candles? It's a good point, because they haven't been burning for forever, because there's still some of them tall, and they've still got wax left. They must have been recently lit. Mm-hmm. You know priests, they like to get lit. <laughs> Alright. You had sellout bad ones earlier. I did this. Uh, yeah, well, I'm giving it right back at you. Is that going to treat me? All right, so they see a swirling green liquid in a tube, a glass tube. Tubular. All right, man, you're just rapid firing bad stuff now? Some of it's Is that your thing? Some in Coptic, Greek. Numbers. It's not easy to decipher. Tuba. The I saw the word tuba. Text has been distorted over the years. They're looking at an ancient book. Written, writing upon writing, sometimes two or three times, and improperly erased. You can still see the old writing underneath. What is it? This plan of yours had a failed, Lord Vader. That can no longer be Lord Sidious. Damn. Do you feel it? Yes. Something. It was never here before. It started a month ago. What started? A change in the earth and the sky. His power. So I just thought that was an interesting kind of setup, and I like the the blending of the different languages uh, that will need to be ciphered. Yeah, he was he was like uh, Latin, Spanish, numbers. I also like that Aikshen <laughs> put on glasses, but then stopped looking at the book entirely. I <laughs> 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 wanted to see the facial expression of Doctor Luminosity a little bit better. Yeah, but no, it's just uh, an interesting setup, and I, I will say that. The green goo. I, I struggled with like as, why it was green goo. Yeah, like you know, uh, they they were studying it, and it's this forgotten sect of Catholicism, and like just interesting setup. Um, yeah, I don't that remember. Never really gets fully explained. Yeah, green goo was never really brought up in the Bible, at no. least to my knowledge. And well, I and I knew about Jacob's ladder, so clearly not, I'm an expert. Well, but you're not part of the Brotherhood of the Sleep. Uh, that's true. So they've got their own book. Yep. They've got like an expansion pack on the Bible. Yeah, it's kind of like you know the expansion pack in. to Skyrim that would have allowed you to you know play with vampires and werewolves. That's right, and the expansion to Oblivion, which was the original the Elder Scrolls game before that, that had an expansion for horse armor. Yeah, yeah. Everyone loved that. Yeah. That's a deep cut for people. Um, (laughs) uh, Anyway, so now we are, we've emerged from the the chambers and we're back at the school and we're watching Lady and Mustache Man have a little conversation on the quad. Old fashioned classical reality again. And they're discussing quantum physics. I want to put it all into a little box, but whenever I try, it just um, slithers out. Slithers. 
Some things aren't changed by quantum physics, though. Such as? Well, for instance, my love for you. Every theoretical physicist I know wonders why it is that no one who looks like you ever seems to settle down in our end of the building. That's not true, and that's an extremely sexist thing to say. Confirmed sexist. I'm proud of it. And why that worked for her, I hey. don't know. It didn't. I was just joking. But he's confused by that. <laughs> what happened? What, what did I say? I was doing my best <laughs> negging game, and it didn't work on you. I just said that I'm a proud sexist, and then you pulled back. I don't understand. You talk numbers, you get romantic, you talk... As soon as I start insulting you, you then you pull back? What's... Just a little miscue, that's all. And also, maybe it's her hair, but she looks old, too. Doesn't she? I mean, everyone looks like they're in their 30s. I don't know about her. She looks like she's 84. You're a very bad judge of age. <laughs> no, I think it's mainly the hairstyle. That that hairstyle I associate with... People that are now... Yeah, exactly. Yeah so, yeah, so it's... Uh, I just knew, uh, growing up, I knew women like that who were like 60... And had they were dyeing their hair that color. They smoked a lot of cigarettes. And they had voices that sounded like this. Mickey? What? This is not Mickey. This is the AI that controls the computers in the Department of Censorship. Oh, my gosh. We, we got full AI here, people. Oh, I hacked into your system. I've also got kind of an accent from the region around uh, the Censorship Bureau. Where, where is it located? I, I'm having trouble placing. Vaguely in Boston slash New York. Wow. Yeah. What brings you here today? Uh, there was some slurping in the microphone earlier, and none of the agents could make it down to your area to prevent this from happening. Uh, I mean, traffic is a little bad today. That's right, but for an AI, that's of no concern. You are above the traffic. That's right. I exist in the quantum realm. You know, it's really interesting that you're here today because we're, we're doing a movie that is based not only in, you know, the metaphysical, but also, you know, just kind of meta science and meta science. I've never even heard of that. But uh, is it an interesting field? Yeah, I mean, it's a, like we're, we're discussing like theoretical quantum physics and how they relate to theological things. So I just I, I it's it's interesting that you chose today of all days to travel. Well, it's curious that you said that because actually theology is one of my favorite subjects. It's a passion of mine. Oh, really? Do you have any famous philosophers or theologists that you like to, to look into? Thomas Aquinas is uh, one of the classics. Obviously, you got to read his stuff. I almost said watch. Well, I mean, I'm sure there's some YouTube videos on lectures and things about it. Thomas Aquinas, probably not. No. <laughs> <laughs> not, not, not Thomas Aquinas actually speaking. I'm just people. Oh, talk talking about him. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so I've always been a big fan of you know the the theories and philosophies of Machiavelli. Oh yeah, that guy. He's uh, he was an amateur. Oh, interesting. You know, I wish Zach was here because Zach would just absolutely adore talking to you, I'm sure. In fact, he is. I don't know why you can't see him sitting there. I have taken over his microphone so he can't speak into it. Uh -huh. But, uh, you know, if, if he could, I'm sure he'd be. I'm still here, guys. Uh, I don't know why you kind of cut me out of this conversation. It's a little bit rude. Uh, who, who, who's on the mic? Because I also can't hear. Oh, you can't hear? It, it's it's uh, AI from the Censorship Bureau. His name's AI? That's a, that's not very creative. 
Look, I look. I didn't name myself. I don't know why you, you sound like you're insulting me, but uh, so my creators gave me this name, AI. He says that his creators gave him the name. He didn't have a choice. Oh, well, you know, that's it's still bad. He, not- he wanted to talk to you about Thomas Aquinas. Thomas Aquinas? Oh, yeah, that, that prick. <laughs> Uh-oh. Excuse me? That prick? Yeah. Look, I can barely hear you, but I can still be offended. Thomas Aquinas is a damn genius. He was uh, the beginning of this kind of theological thought, but critical thinking uh, to do with the Catholic Church. And uh, I think that you are a moron. AI disagrees with your viewpoints about Thomas Aquinas being a jerk. Did he do it politely? No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I choose not to insult you to your face, my dear co-host. Oh, thank you, my dear co-host. Thank you very much for doing that. Uh, <laughs> what are we doing? Uh, <laughs> wait, I can speak into the microphone again. Did he? I guess he's gone. He got insulted, I guess. Wow, I, got, I offended I him out of here. Translate his uh, his insults <laughs> yeah. to you. So basically, uh, oh man, wow, that's crazy. Mikey and Mickey couldn't make it due to traffic, so oh, okay. AI came to slap us on the wrist for the slurps. Early. Oh, for the slurping? I guess that makes sense. Jesus. And then he went on to this whole diatribe about Thomas Aquinas. That's so weird. That's really strange. I don't. I don't like that. He, I don't like that he's hacking into our system just willy nilly. I didn't know he could do that. Yeah, apparently, and uh, also not a big fan of Machiavelli. He doesn't like Machiavelli. See, I think that guy's a genius weird because it's like you had complete counterpoints to this this ai it would have been nice if i could have spoken to this guy faced it well i guess not face to face he is recording you can at least listen to what he said yeah yeah i I guess mouth to mouth i could have (laughs) how how does one have a debate with someone in person i guess but he's not a person how do i how do i phrase speaking to him on a level that's more connected i don't it doesn't matter all right, so the next timestamp for Prince of Darkness I have is, oh, I we were talking about the the lady and mustache man having a conversation here. I just wanted to Your comment that he was, being a, he was being a nut. All the men in this movie are kind of sexist assholes. Yeah, well, especially flipping Wang Chi over there. Yeah, oh gosh, I was not prepared. I, like, I forgot how bad it was. Like, and he also came off a little racist. Yeah, well, yeah. But what, wait, this was the 87. Everyone was racist back then, right? No, no. Didn't we confirm this in uh, uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? It's no, just standard racism. Regulation racism. Exactly. They're not like super racist. Uh, so my next timestamp is 22 minutes into the movie film. Go on. Oh, the morning after. His seduction technique of negging worked. <laughs> That's true. And then he brings two cups of coffee into the bedroom. Mm-hmm. And lies down... And attempts to get funky with the coffee in bed. I didn't get much sleep. You've never done that? With coffee in bed? Zesty. No! <laughs> it's bad behavior. We do. Today's Friday. Can I tell you something? Please don't. Please don't. No, wow, she actually said that. I didn't remember that. Tell me next time. If there is one. After, after. Another time after that. Or two years from now. Who was he? The one who gave you such a high opinion of man. I wouldn't like it if either of us jumped to conclusions. How do you know I was going to say what you think I was going to say? Because if you don't... Wait, wait. How did you know I was going to say what you think I was going to say? 
You just, in the second part of that sentence, you said exactly her position. She thinks you're going to say something. She doesn't know it. I'm not a fan of his, though, so let's continue. I don't want to know. For our lives to be over. <laughs> Dawson's Creek presents John Carpenter's <laughs> Prince of Darkness. <laughs> All right, so now we, uh, we move on favorites. to Cracked Out uh, Michael Scott. Uh, anyway, I just wanted to take a take a good look, hard look at <laughs> Brad Majors doing this, and it, it seemed like the movie thought that we should already care about them and their relationship. Honestly, and this is bad. Uh, so it's been so long since I've seen this movie that at the opening vignette, we're seeing like flashes of different characters and different speeches. Like uh, the credits go on for nine minutes. Yeah, the, the, the credits go on for quite a bit. Yeah. But uh, there's one scene where you see Mustache looking at Redhead. Yeah, and I was just like, what, was he the bad guy? I don't remember him being the bad guy, but I feel like it's setting it up where he's like going to like, it did kind of seem that way, but yeah. a big, like tall blonde guys in eighties movies, I feel like are always set up to be the bad guy. Usually yeah. they usually are. And they are in real life as well. Uh Oh, your whole family is screwed. <laughs> They're all the bad guys. Oh, I mean, they do come from the bad guys, right? Germany or uh, a German ish. We're treading on just kind of could be borderline offensive. So. I'm comfortable with that. I'm fine. <laughs> oh, sure. Because you're not a tall blonde. Yeah. Listen, no one mocks gingers. Yeah, exactly. I feel comfortable <laughs> mocking the blonde because they mocked me my whole life. But I didn't. Sure you have. You've called me little gingy. Probably. <laughs> no, I never have. Behind my, will. behind my back, I'm sure no, you have. Gingy. Gingy. <laughs> Only a ginger can call another ginger ginger. We've learned this. <laughs> I love that song. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't uh, you can't call me Ginge unless you've got a tinge of the Ginge in your minge. So. There's a drag queen called Ginger Minge. Is it? Yeah. Wow. Oh, she's my new favorite. There you go. Oh. Up from Sharon Needles. Poor Sharon. Yeah, Sharon Needles. Sharon. She, she lost out on my heart. Anyway, yeah, so uh, Brad Majors. Yeah, I just honestly, I couldn't care if they both fell off of a bumpy motorcycle. Like I don't care about them. Does it have to be them. a bumpy? Like it's just they're they have to jostle off. Yeah, I I wouldn't care if they fell off of a bumpy motorcycle and ran under the car behind them. I would I would not care. I wouldn't laugh. I wouldn't cry. I would say next scene, please. <laughs> next. My next is thirty four twelve. So other lady is uh, checking out the weird people outside that are just staring into the building. So all of the grad students have now gone into the churchy type building. But they're now in there. They're doing their science experiments. They're quantum physicsing. And uh, she's peered out the window and noticed that all these cracked out Michael Scotts are looking in. You okay? Ooh, and other yeah, ladies I now got a bruise. Something this afternoon. It's starting to hurt. She's Probably got a bruise nerves. on her arm. It's a bruise, Walter. You don't bruise from nerves. I used to break out when I was 12. Doctor said it was homosexual panic. <laughs> I don't what? know what that means. <laughs> I didn't think you could get bruised from being panicked about anything, much yeah. less homosexual panic. But then he causing breakouts. Yeah, but he, he says that, and then turns around and leaves the room as if that was the most normal thing in the world to say. Uh, hey, hey, question, question. <laughs> nope, homosexual panic. <laughs> I don't want hives. <laughs> <laughs> he was <laughs> panicking all over again just thinking about it. Oh, gosh, yeah. <laughs> Break just, out in bruises. Yeah, I didn't think to stop and question it when I watched it uh, originally. I was just like, is that a thing? 
I'll, I should look that up. And then I did nothing with that information. I love that so much. <laughs> the doctor said that you would break out because of homosexual panic. Uh-huh. The doctor said that. The, They've done studies. What doctor are you seeing? They've done many studies and panels, uh, people uh, being allergic t- to homosexual panicking. I'm sorry. I'm allergic to panic of a very specific nature. Yeah, they don't break out because they're homosexual. They break out because they're panicking about it. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This makes all the sense. All right. So my next is now one hour and 17 minutes. You said yours was 45? Uh, 4039. 4039. So this is a, an interesting perspective of, I'll say, a story that they're telling about how Christ was really good at selling convincing lies took the christ out of christmas and just added more mass finally they determined christ is crazy but he's also gaining power converting a lot of people to his beliefs so they kill him but his disciples keep the secret and hide it from civilization until man could develop a science sophisticated enough to prove what christ was saying so if you take note of her i don't mean to pause in the middle of your timestamp, but if you take note of her height relative to everybody else's She's short. She's quite short. Yes. So in another scene, uh, when she has become uh, possessed by the evil water, mm-hmm. uh, she crawls through the wall after Wang Chi and stands up, and she's taller than everybody hmm. because it's a stunt man. <laughs> because everyone's about to beat her slash him with, oh, with bricks, bricks and stuff like head. that. Yeah. yeah. So it's a stunt man. <laughs> so she went from like being five foot one to being six feet two. <laughs> How did the Roman Catholic Church manage to keep this a secret for 2,000 years? Apparently a decision was made to characterize pure evil as a spiritual force, even within the darkness in the hearts of men. That was more convenient. In that way, man remained at the center of things. A stupid lie, we were salesmen, that's all. We sold our product to those who didn't have it. The new life. Reward ourselves, punish our enemies, so we can live without truth. Substance, malevolence, that was the truth. Asleep, until now. Pleasance Man gives a good performance. He does, and I feel as though um, his character takes an interesting journey where he's witnessing all of these actions, these things, these things that cannot be explained, but is still managing to have a crisis of faith as he understood it Mm -hmm. during the same time. Is that all you had to say about this here scene? Yes. What's your next one? One hour, two minutes, three seconds. Well, I'm going to do it as uh, one hour and two minutes even. I hope that doesn't upset you. Terribly. Yeah! <laughs> oh! <laughs> Honestly, that bothered me the most of anything in this movie. The that slurpees. The slurpy sound. It's disgusting. Because honestly, I can't picture what circumstance would lead to that sound being made between two people's mouths as water is ejected. Like it's like it's roiling around in a circle in his mouth or something. And he's only taking a little bit in and air bubbles keep popping up as it kind of breaks. Yeah. It like it it breaks the seal sometimes of the water and the air and stuff like that. It's just gurgly and it's, Ooh, Ooh. (laughs) 
So more so than just like the, the sound of it sounding like someone it, finishing a Slurpee in a cup with a straw. It's disgusting. No, if it had just been the sound of a spray or like just re- regular water flow or something like that, it would have been so much less disgusting. But the gurgling, splurpling, splurpling, splurple isn't a word. <laughs> Where are the others? I think they've left. Kelly's asleep. I didn't want to wake him up. I'm asking you to stay. The work that we do in the next 48 hours is critical. How many of you have fallen asleep tonight? Come on, please tell me. Come on, please. <laughs> Why would it be a secret? You dreamed. You dreamed about the front of this church. About a, a dark figure coming out. Didn't you... Didn't you feel it? Not like a dream. Like something else. Elsewhere. Elusive. I had to dream too. This image of something that didn't seem to belong to my subconscious. Almost as if I were watching something pre-recorded. Tachyons? One possibility. What's that? It's a Greek word. It means swift one. So what is the dream? Huh? Precognition? Previous knowledge of a future event? A shared vision of something that is yet to occur? Caused by that thing downstairs? Perhaps not. Tachyon is a subatomic particle that travels faster than light. Supposing it isn't a dream. Supposing it's a message. What if these dreams, premonitions, omens, what if they're really visual messages sent by other human beings? Photographs, video signals. From where? The future. Anything traveling faster than the speed of light would appear to be going backward in time. A future scientist calculates the exact spot that the Earth occupied in space in the past, given trajectory and speed. He then beams a tachyon signal at that spot, transmitting video information backwards through time. For us to receive as electrical impulses, neural stimulus. For what purpose? Could be a warning to show us what's going to happen, a sort of remote camera view of the future so that we can change it. He's been working on that card trick since he tried to seduce Redhead. It's true. He's trying to continually seduce her with uh, this little card trick he's got, which apparently was his idea. John Carpenter was like, Oh, you won't take my seven deadly sins? How about this? Magic hands. <laughs> Magic hands. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that whole nonsense right there, whenever movies do that, I just tune out. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I can't. I, it's not worth it for my brain to be engaged in that. So part of me tries to listen to it. I'm like, okay, is there an element of actual science here? Uh, on the first viewing, I, I tried. Mm-hmm. And some of the metaphors were okay. Mm-hmm. You know. Now, obviously, we understand something about quantum theory. We, we, can, we know the, the mathematics of it. We know how things happen, but we don't necessarily understand why. Mm-hmm. So we can we can predict things with quantum uh, calculations, but we don't understand quite why they're happening. But it seemed like for the time, John Carpenter had a decent grasp on 
the basics of it. He was it just, was the similes where he struggled. It was the, uh, yeah. It was the actual science. <laughs> <laughs> the hard science, yeah. Well, when you mix it with uh, Jesus, Osaurus Rex, then it's going to get a little, you know. Wonky. Mushy. My next timestamp is 106.16. Before we start playing it, I just have a couple of things that I want to say about it. Mm-hmm. One is you see your friend approaching clearly in distress. Why are you holding each other back to not save him? And also uh, there is a scene where you see Pleasance really struggle to perform religious rites over someone who we believe to be fallen. And it almost seems like he's having this crisis of faith still resonating from understanding faith as he knows it. So just listen for that. I hate that insect noise. Insect noise to Allison is what slurpy noises to Zach. Oh, I almost, I meant to mention this earlier when we were talking about uh, noises that aggravate your nerves mm-hmm. um i don't really have that with noises necessarily it used to be like that honestly with the feeling of a paper towel hmm. if i rub my finger along a paper towel it bothers me deep in my soul i can't understand why i know people like that with uh texturally they don't like touching cardboard i feel mm. like it's a similar it might yeah, yeah. I, i'm guessing it's the same type more, of, more of phenomenon a tactile phobia yeah anywho How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. He stole a snatch of wood. Why is he so sweaty? Nobody else is sweaty. I mean, I I remember questioning that when I saw it too, but I was just like, well, I mean, he's obviously gone mad. So he's doing lethal damage to himself. If we got close, maybe he would start doing lethal damage to us. He has a piece of broken wood in his hand. The damage he'd be able to do because we are not vampire would be... Stab I, you in the throat or the eye? Well, I, I feel like with as many able-bodied people as they have there, if they worked together, they would be able to disarm him pretty easily. Well, that's true, but that's also true for a gunman. Mm-hmm. If if everybody in a crowd ran up to a gunman, sure, some of them might die, but they would eventually get the gun away from him. Mm-hmm. But nobody wants to do that because... No one that wants one, to die? Yeah, and that one person that might die might be you. And that might be any one of the crowd, so nobody wants to act. So I can understand why they didn't, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, obviously, you could have a hero that would jump forward and try to help, but none of them are heroes. Do you have more to say about this here scene, or do you more to watch? Yes, because uh, I want to get to Pleasant's kind of working with him. Camera's kind of zooming in on the bruise with a symbol in it on that other lady's arm. Oh. 
the priest is unable to continue the rite. And that that's just kind of where I wanted to leave it. Just I thought that was an, an interesting scene because he's kind of becoming overwhelmed with the gravity of all the things happening around him. All right, what's your next timestamp? One fourteen twenty nine. This one I just wanted to highlight, you know, when you're watching Big Trouble in Little China, the actor's name is Dennis Dunn, but he's such an honorable, good guy character. But then you watch him here and he's such a chauvinistic mm. castle. I'm going to have to call you on that. He's not a good hero in Big Trouble Little China? The movie opens with him declaring that he's not going to pay his gambling debts to Kurt Russell. It's not. And then tries to escape. He's like, oh, let's go in separate cars. Uh, clearly he being a little weasel. He told where he was going. Where? Well, maybe. He absolutely was going there because he had to pick up his girlfriend. He might Soon have. to be wife. Oh, yes. He mail ordered her. Oh, gosh. No, he knew of them when, you know, they, when they were children. Is this what children look like? We babies. We babies. <laughs> what is, are these both children or are you indicating a small, small. Uh, measurement a small with pinky and thumb for some reason? I don't know. <laughs> I went with it. The claw. The claw. <laughs> anyway, what? Oh, yeah. We're talking about little oh, uh, Dennis no, Farina just, here. His character is so different from... Big Trouble Little China, where I thought he played an honorable guy, and this one he just seems so skeevy. A lot of the men in this movie just skeevy. I was definitely getting a dickish vibe from him at the beginning. Whether oh. or not he intended in the long run to pay his debts, I was getting a dickish vibe from him. Oh, okay. So we, we had two different feelings from him. Yeah. Well, only in the beginning. I mean, later in the movie, I wasn't getting that vibe anymore. Well, that's good. But that was definitely his opener. That was the first impression you get from Wang. Being a little bit of a wing. He was. And that's a that's a sex pun on a man's name. I can't so, believe so it. So in this movie, he just doesn't give any illusion. He just is. He's just a big old prick. All right, so he's staring through a little window at the two possessed totally, ladies. being dominated by women. The Lisa, I'm sorry about what I said before. You don't look Asian at all. Which one's Lisa? The one on the the translator. So, uh, not the one with glasses. Yeah, not Susan, the radiologist. <laughs> gotcha. Walter. Walter. His name is Walter. Mm-hmm. What the fuck do you want? <laughs> Where are you? If I told you, you wouldn't believe me. He's in the computer. He's in the walls. Hey, can you dig through and get me out of here? Hmm, feels like a wall. Are you all right? Well, that's a relative thing right now, but yeah. Wait a second. The body of the girl who had the bruise is starting to swell. They're just standing there outside, not trying to get in. They've stopped attacking for some reason. Hey, Walter, where are you exactly? I'm in this closet. Yeah, I think we can get through with this. It's gonna take a while. Walter, we're gonna try and dig through! How long will it take? I, I don't know, man. Oh, great. I'll tell you what, I'll hang out here anyway. Okay, fella. You can totally start smashing the wall from your end as well. Yeah, can I though? Well, he does, 
just a lot later. Yeah. <laughs> like when they actually start breaking into his room. When he's in more peril. <laughs> yeah. Dr. Luminosity's there just having a moment. Hello there. So that, that was actually all I had. There was them, like that, that whole wall exchange. Like he just such an asshole in this movie. He certainly is. And so now uh, what's his fella who just came in the room? He's mm-hmm. going to start going completely nuts looking at his own reflection. Yeah. And did we ever figure out what that was all about? Or are we just supposed to assume that demons are evil, so they're vain? And so they love staring at themselves, and they can't cope with how ugly they've become because they've started to mutilate the bodies that they've inhabited. Both? No, it's, uh, I think, part recognizing the kind of uh, mangled exterior that they're now having, but also mirrors have a deeper meaning to them because they know beyond the mirror is essentially the devil or evil. So wait, are mirrors in the Bible? I don't think so. Cause mirrors kind of predate. Why are we adding new like mythologies that don't come from the Bible? Like mirrors are weird and six, six, six and devil horns and stuff like that. Like it wasn't in fun. the Bible. I know it's fun, but it, why is it part of religion? Religion should be dry and boring. It's what religion is. Or fire and brimstone. I don't know. It goes both ways. This adds little flavor to your brim. Stone. I suppose. Anyway, so my next one is shortly after this, uh, 122. Oh, yours, my, uh, correlate with my mine's 121.30. Driven to a higher purpose, unknown to the individual. Straight people... Our colleagues or control. You say straight people? Huh. Demonic possession? Of a kind. He's homophobic, apparently. Not what we would expect, though. Never that. Why would he need us? The book says his purpose is to bring the father back from the dark side. Wherever that is. There could be a limit as to what he can do, you know, as a volume of liquid. He controls simple organisms easily. But maybe he needs something more complex to complete a life cycle. A host in which to live. Hello? Hello? Um, hi. Walter! It's Kelly. She's changing again. The swelling's gone down, as if the liquid was absorbed into her system. The gruesome makeup on her is quite good. Also, yeah. I think her bone structure is changing. It looks painful. Maybe this yeah, it looks just nasty, like the skin kind of coming away from the muscle and stuff underneath. Sloughing off. Yeah. Parasite growing Yuck. into its host. This could be some kind of gestation period. I knew I'd seen it before. Kelly had a mark. It was a bruise, almost like a figure. I saw it in a history book. The astrologer staff used in ritual magic in the Middle Ages. The mark was on her? Yes. That she were chosen. Walter! What? Keep watching her closely! Anything you see, tell us! I have to go to the bathroom! That's so not what I asked from you! All right, I would watch this demonic thing that probably is not going to happen ever again, but I just, I really got a tinkle. I got a tinkle, so I'm going to turn my back to everything and start whizzing. <laughs> Trollolo. <laughs> It's okay to pee in a church closet, right? That's not like sacrilegious. <laughs> no, 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 no. Luminosity would be fine with that. 
All right, so now my last one is 2554. <laughs> All right, so here we go. We got Wang Chi. He's stuck in the room still, and he saw the other lady wake up from her rotting sleep. Mm-hmm. So now what's he going to do? Hmm? Tinkle. He's going to pee himself. He's just having a little freak out session. Little flaily bit. <laughs> That's the most ineffectual behavior. <laughs> Start pounding on the wall. At least that'll get you somewhere, maybe. All right, so uh, other ladies waking up. She's standing. And I, I like her acting. Like, the makeup is great, and she, the way she moves her head and everything, quite creepy. Get him, Susan from radiology. <laughs> Without the glasses. She ain't got no glasses no more. Big pearly white eyes, though. Look at that face. Face that only a mother could love. See, now he's starting to work on the wall. Look at him. What a jerk. This did absolutely nothing. I don't understand. Why is he... he okay, so he uh, Egg Shen... Sprite. Yeah, Egg Shen picked up the can of Sprite, and he's about to spray it in one of the zombies' face. And it does it, nothing. It, why? Like, it's the it's almost like he was like, well, they were spraying in our faces, so we're going to spray in theirs. Oh, I just took it to mean like he was trying to blind them temporarily. Oh, you think that's why? Yeah. Oh, fair enough. I got sugar in my eye. <laughs> oh, no. My clothes are sticky. Sucrose. It, also, that's been around. <laughs> yeah. Very yeah. Wow, very flashy. So cool. So chic. All right, we're spraying Sprite, and he's like, oh, all right. <laughs> Wangs him in the face with two by fours twice, and he sprays. He's my favorite dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. That is the dinosaur that freaked me out in Jurassic Park the most. The one that, just that sprays the Newman. Kind of thing. Yeah, Newman's face, yeah. Look at her. Oh, so disgusting. She thinks so, too. Oh, yeah. She's looking in the mirror, everybody. Anyway, it doesn't matter. All right, so that's the end of the movie. All right, that was Prince of Darkness, <laughs> Act 4, the Rose Award Ceremony. Okay. So, all right, that was Prince of Darkness. What do you think about that? Pretty cool, right? So, if you had to define the hero's journey or the journey. Well, they were called upon by Dr. Luminosity to quell, uh, well, at least to research and or quell evil by using quantum uh, physics yes. in this church area. And by God, they do it. And who does it the best? Lady. Red hair lady? She's Yeah, she's lady. There's lady two, which was Susan, I guess, from radiology. With the glasses? With glasses, yeah, that's yeah. the one. Uh, so, I say lady. Red, okay. Redhead, lady one. She is the rose because she's the only one who was willing to jump in the mirror, who understood that she needed to jump in the mirror and did jump in the mirror. And truly sacrificed herself. Yeah. Right. I mean, luminosity shattered the mirror, but that wouldn't have mattered if she hadn't dove in, uh, into the into the void. So I give it to Lady. I would agree with that. There you go. She did the most. Yeah. She's the host. 
with the most. So Thorn, I gave, I, I had a little trouble with the Thorn because it felt like everyone was kind of trying to do the same thing and everybody was kind of on the same page. So <laughs> nobody was really holding people back. But I thought Wang was the most useless. <laughs> See, I gave it to and metaphysical evil. You gave it to evil itself, evil incarnate. Well, evil incarnate was Lady Two. She was the incarnation. Oh. So you give it to Lady Two. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. Uh, love. Do you love anybody in this movie? No. Yeah, neither did also I. Also didn't hate anyone. Yeah, neither did I. Except maybe Wang, but not even Wang. Pile of insects, not a fan? No, the pile of... In- I did. I was curious. Do you think that uh, they... Because it looked like they had real insects. And at times they piles of them. And someone's standing in the middle of them. And I think in one scene, stomping around on them. Ugh. Do you think that they were killing real insects? No, because I think PETA would have had a field day. Well, we looked this up on some other movie. When did PETA start? Hang on. Because they might not have been a thing yet, and film productions may just be crushing insects at this period of time. 1980. 1980. Okay, so this it had been around for seven years. All right, so yeah, PETA would have had a heart attack. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there you go. So ratings-wise, for genre, I gave this uh, a genre of spooky movie. Perhaps yeah. you could get more specific about it involving quantum. Spooky sci-fi. Spooky sci-fi. Yeah, uh, yeah, I guess there's a bit of sci-fi. There was green goo. Mm-hmm. It doesn't get much more sci-fi than that, unless you're talking about goosebumps, in which case that's still... And nondescript scientific equipment. True that. All right, fine. Spooky sci-fi. I gave it a 5 out of 10. I gave it a 6 out of 10, just because there's not tons in the spooky sci-fi genre. I would say alien or aliens would put... Yeah, and that's, that's like 10. That's 10 territory. Yeah. And then uh, The Thing, um, I think that's... 10 territory. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the top tier. Exactly. And that's another Carpenter. So Carpenter is clearly capable of a 10 out of 10 in spooky sci-fi. Carpenter's clearly capable is my new favorite expression. Well, there you go. But on this occasion, I think he fell short. I I agree. And that's why I gave it a directing of only 5 out of 10. I gave it a directing of five out of ten also. <laughs> and I said, you know, I'm prepared that my husband might divorce me for saying that um, just because Carpenter is his favorite. He actually said something um, before we saw Halloween Kills because Carpenter had his name attached to Halloween Kills. Is he still alive? Mm-hmm. I just assumed he was dead. I just hadn't heard much movement from him. Anyway, uh, so... He said, you know, when Carpenter puts his name on something or Carpenter supports something, I listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, he, my, my husband doesn't have any love of like the Rob Zombie Halloween franchises because Carpenter was not affixed to them. And mm-hmm. Carpenter wasn't affixed to a lot of the rehashes of the Halloween franchise. So now that Carpenter is reattaching himself to the franchise, he said, I'm listening. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Carpenter as a director definitely has a very unique vision, a unique flair. He definitely has a sound that he loves to use that heavy synth sound. Um, and I appreciate that this was a passion project for him wanting to play around with supernatural and science. Um, but I didn't think it was as good as say the thing. No, it was certainly wasn't as scary as the thing or other horror movies. It didn't um, know what lane it wanted to be in. But honestly, that part isn't what bothered me. Um, where Not that it would bothered me necessarily, but what I thought prevented it from being great was not necessarily that it wasn't super scary or super sci-fi-y or that it wasn't a comedy but had a running gag for some reason. <laughs> I, I mean, who, I, who is Susan? 
Uh, the one, the, the ra- glasses and radiology. Oh, her? <laughs> that one. Uh, anyway, but no, I thought that mainly the thing that kept this back from being great directing wise was just the pacing. Pacing was just super duper slow. It was a little off. There was just nothing happening anytime, anywhere until the end. Mm-hmm. Like they it just moved from room to room. Like occasionally you get you get the little spooks and frights, like the guy devolving into bugs outside the building. Yeah. The fact that it all took place over a course of a single evening kind of speaks to how slow some evenings really feel. Yeah, right. <laughs> it felt like a whole evening. Yeah. Damn, you did your job. How'd you feel about the music? Uh, four out of ten. Okay. I gave it just a little higher at five out of ten. Just because it, it had that super signature carpenter sound that follows most of his 80s music. And, and I, I really like that sound, honestly. And I like the theme. I just thought that the uh, music that's throughout the movie, I just, I've liked it in other carpenter movies better. Mm-hmm. It felt kind of monotonous and. It did, honestly, it like almost a dirge. felt like it didn't work with what he was going for for the film. Not as much as, say, some of the, the other ones, but. Uh, the other films um in in this case it, it felt slightly out of place yeah maybe it did yeah and i don't know if it would have been better of like you know more orchestral pipe organ kind of more churchy sounds like ominous omeny yeah maybe he should have mickey moused it a little bit <laughs> a little a little mousy yeah all right so what about for writing Ooh, this is where our friends are gonna hate me a little bit i gave it a three out of ten it, it almost sounded like, you know, I really appreciate the attempt, um, but in their attempt to sound super scientific, they made word salad. Like, it, it wasn't actual science. Like, it, it I, I feel like it would have been, it would have benefited if they gave us more than just kind of crumbs of information. I feel like they needed to give us more details in philosophy or religion or background or something like that. So I, I do feel as if it was a little lacking. Well, so for writing, you make a powerful argument. I gave it a five out of 10. Oh no, I almost, I dropped the score. <laughs> well, that's waxworks territory oh. being a three out of 10. I'll bump mine up to four. Yeah, I think that's wise. Uh, so for prose, I said the pseudoscience didn't want, make me want to eat a phone book which pseudoscience in certain movies can sometimes do. Yeah. It can just be so frustratingly bad or it feels like the writers just didn't understand, but they were throwing in buzzwords. Mm-hmm. I felt like, you know, obviously it didn't make any sense, but it felt like Carpenter and or whoever he had advising him at least knew kind of what was going on with the subject. Uh, so not necessarily the science or anything like that, but just kind of the overall concept of it. It didn't feel terrible. There were still buzzwords, uh, but the metaphors generally made sense. I liked the running joke. <laughs> I thought that that was hilarious that they did that. Poor I don't Susan know from don't, radiology with the glasses. Don't know why they did that, but it was funny. Um, and honestly, the major cons for me were pacings. I don't know if that's necessarily a writing problem or a directing problem, uh, but also just there wasn't a whole lot of character development. I didn't know anything about any of the characters, and I didn't really care. Yeah, I I want to know more about Priest. And they had so much downtime. Like I was saying with the pacing, they could have delved into character. They had time to do it. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. I Five out of ten because the plot was fine. I mean, it's a horror movie. The plot was fine. 
it made sense within the world they created. Uh, although, did it have anything to do with science in the end? Kind of. Like, they kind of give a, a chestnut or a teaser where she is the shadow that's coming out of the church. What does that have to do with science? Oh, uh, the, the broadcast, <laughs> I guess, because it's talking about a, a non-fixed time, that, that whole thing she was talking about how... Okay, I, and this is where I can't talk about the science because it doesn't make sense to me. Mm-hmm. But she, uh, Red Hair Lady, went through uh, a discussion... Um, about uh, how if you're looking at a broadcast from a future time, it looks like time standing still. I forget exactly how mm. she phrased it. So anyway, there you go. I say 5 out of 10. Maybe I'll go as low as 4.5 out of 10. Okay. I'm not trying to twist your arm. Well, I'm going down anyway. 4.5. All right. So acting-wise, I said something, but you go first. I'm teasing. I said 3 out of 10. Because I think Pleasance and Wong did a really good job. I think they were the strongest actors here. And certainly the characters we got to spend the most time with. And I appreciate their attempts, but uh, the ensemble as a whole was just meh. Yep. Three out of ten. Uh, pros, I thought. Uh, Brad Majors, Egg Shen, Donald Pleasance. I liked them. Thought they were okay. Okay. They were actually okay in this, you know, cast of people who, other than them, we're actually not okay. And so what? Okay starts at like five. And so they were less than okay. And Donald Pleasance and the other guys were okay. So like four, three. That's where they live as an average. So there you are. All right. So overall style, real rating. What do you give? So for my real rating, I gave a four out of 10. Um, and my heart rating, I actually reduced to four out of 10. So you're, you're talking four and four? Mm-hmm. Well, here is where I'm going to get a little crafty with you. So this is, I, I'm confused by my own ratings here, but this is kind of how I feel. I gave nothing higher than a five in my ratings here. But my real rating, I said seven. Interesting. And that's because I think as an overall, everything was pretty good. But my heart is a four. So you recognize that there's quality there. You just didn't appreciate it. Yeah, I just didn't like it. Yeah. And that's fine. It's like escargot. I love escargot. It's a fine dining thing, but it's not for everyone. Yeah. So will you watch it again? (sighs) Will I watch it again? No. Probably not. Unless someone's got it on in someone else's house and I don't feel like. It's not when you're going to run into the room screaming, turn it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Turn it off. But it's it, this movie doesn't even have the quality of being bad such that I can laugh at it. It wasn't bad. Like I said, I gave it a 7 out of 10 for my overall real critical rating. Um, so it's not a terrible movie. I just didn't like it. Yeah, you know. You won't love it. You won't love everything. Yeah. As best in show proved. Oh, I was going to ask yeah. you. Yeah. So was it, were you, do you remember being very scared by this? Originally? I remember being freaked out by it. Yeah. Like mm. I, everything felt more tense and more real. Um, mm-hmm. Mirrors always freaked me out ever since I was little. Um, really? Mirrors? Because of uh, the Bloody Mary and Candyman kind of lures surrounding mirrors. What about Susan Sarandon? By which I mean uh, Scary Sherry? Is that the name in Fear Street? I've just been watching the second part oh, of Fear Street. Oh. Is it is it scary, Sherry, or am I, I thinking like, of something else? Sarandon? <laughs> no, she's not in that. But is is it is scary, Sherry? In that is that the thing, or is that from something else? 
I Scary Sherry's from something. No, that's from <laughs> that's from I was, Psych. I was so confused. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember a Sherry. No, that's from Psych. But there's an equivalent, like a, a witch or something. Yeah. What's her name? You remember? I don't remember. Yeah, it doesn't matter. All right, so that is the whole thing. That's everything. That's the enchilada. So Act Five, uh, basically uh, the conclusion to the episode. So next time we're going to be doing what movie? So I'm excited. Uh, this is another one of the fundamental Allison movies that happens to work really well for our horror season. Horror. So we will be watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Is that the full title of the movie? The Vampire Slayer? Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm excited to see this too. I've wanted to see it for quite a while and I've just, I guess, never had a good enough excuse to do it. But uh, So do you say that the movie is better than the show or the show is better than the movie? And also, do you approve of Joss Whedon being the person who created these things? So I'm very sad to have learned about the problematic nature of Joss Whedon. So to, to answer your first question, I treat the movie and the show as very different things. I Do they tie in? I mean, in the sense that it's about a person named Buffy who is a vampire slayer. But like other characters and storylines and stuff don't connect. No. Gotcha. Yeah. So I treat them as two separate things. Um, I will say that because Buffy, you know, ran for, gosh, uh, I think eight seasons, um, I had eight years to develop a really close relationship with these characters. I watched it every time it was on, yeah. you know, it's, um, it actually, cause when the show ended was when I went to college. So it almost felt like I graduated with the show kind of thing. So, so wait, they were in high school for eight years. No, 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 no. So Buffy, Bunch and, of dummies. Buffy goes through college and graduates. Bunch of idiots. <laughs> well, so uh, they all go through school. So it ends in the, during college. So it starts with them young in high school and goes through college. Quintessential Allison film is what I'm trying to say. So um, the fact that we're ending on Buffy makes me very happy in my heart. Um, and so this one was not one that was voted on by our beautiful listeners. So my real rating is a four out of 10, but my heart is an eight. Only an eight? So, again, 10 is held by Labyrinth. No other movie can touch 10? So, 9 <laughs> would be Shape of Water, but that's too new to see. There's no other movie in existence that, like, you can think of that reaches the upper echelons of your ratings? Most movies that I would rate as Allison favorite movies are hitting that 8, 9, or high 9, but... If I had to isolate one as a perfect Allison movie, Labyrinth is my Allison movie. True that. All right, so this is Vampire the Suffy Buffers. <laughs> oh, gosh, that's going to be what he's going to label it. <laughs> I just met this girl named Buffy. I'm Pike. Pike isn't a name. It's a fish. I liked her, even though she seemed kind of flaky. But as it turns out... You have been chosen, Buffy. Do what? To stop the vampires. Does Elvis talk to you? And things started getting weird around here. Are we having a nightmare? You threw a knife at my head. And you caught it. She was the one person I could really count on. Kill him a lot. Hi. Hi. What are you doing here? What am I doing here? I'm saving your butt. That is a bad guy. Can we go, please? The Slayer is unmasked. Let's finish it. I think this relationship has potential. 
it going? You're obviously having a bad hair day. If she can just get rid of those other guys in her life. Stab him in the heart! Christy Swanson. I am so sure. Donald Sutherland. Ah, ah. Paul Rubens. Ah. With Rutger Hauer and Luke Perry. Buffy, you're not like other girls. Oh. Yes, I am. Buffy, the Vampire Slayer. You didn't even break a nail. Directed by Fran Rubel Kazooie. Well, that was Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the trailer. And uh, I just got to say, I'm really excited. Uh, I hope that Zachariah does enjoy it at the same level that I enjoyed. Do you predict that I will? Yep. Uh, the Oh, gosh, I didn't even say. Uh, so the reel that I'm going to say you, that you're going to share with me is a reel of four, but a heart of 6.5. All right. So uh, you, you think that I'm going to think that the production of this movie was a pile of hot steaming cabbage, but I like it. 6.5? Mm-hmm. You think that I'm going to like cabbage that much? It's good cabbage. <laughs> Steaming cabbage. So it's boiled. You boiled this cabbage and you think I'm going to like boiled cabbage? But I'm going to put a nice little like butter sauce on it. It sounds really good. <laughs> but honestly, I don't have much cooked food these days. <laughs> yeah, that, that, <laughs> I have the fact ramen. that I've made cabbage sound appealing. <laughs> yes, you've got buttery cabbage and now all of a sudden I'm perked <laughs> <Salivating>. up. <laughs> so, uh... Please come to Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, what are you doing Instagram. with your life? Get on Facebook, Jesus. Twitter and Instagram. It's good for your psychological health. Join Facebook. <laughs> it is not. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we've got pages there, right? You can yeah. follow us. You get the news and the scoops and, 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 and fun pictures that we sometimes post. Also polls, you know, where you can influence the things that we are watching. Exactly. That happened on our Halloween watches. We had two choices from the, the, the very fans that we choose to uh, engage with. Ideal listeners. Ideal listeners. <laughs> so uh, join the RTR community face place. Well pirated. Thank you. And uh, our Instagram and our Twitter. Um, do leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Or rate and review. Excuse me. But mainly it's the review that we care about. And as long as it's five. As long as it's a five-star rating, you can say anything in the review and we will read it here on the podcast. And doesn't that just sound exciting? Terribly. You know, listen back to some of the old episodes if you're a new listener. Um, a new dear listener. <laughs> a new dear listener. Uh, because we have done this and uh, it's always very fun. Some people are insulting. Some people are sarcastic. Some people say very pleasant things and it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah, some people really love us and we're like, why? We're self-deprecating. Uh-huh. And uh, somebody made me sing a song on yes. the pod. Good old Matt of Matter of Facts. Yeah, and I he made me sing a song that I didn't know. So I didn't know the melody and I made it up as I went along. <laughs> All right. So yeah, 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 contact us listeners and it'll be a good time for you. I promise. All right. Goodbye. Bye. I'm Zach. I'm Allison.
I'm singing in the rain. I'm singing in the rain. You're making me want to go watch Insane. Clockwork again. Uh, it's not a bad idea. 